Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Nat Alliance Now, a new podcast series brought to you by the National Alliance for Insurance Education and Research. I am your host, William Hold, the CEO of the National Alliance. And today we are talking to Tony Canis and Nick Lamparelli about geeking out with insurance nerds. So, Tony and Nick, welcome. Thank you guys for being here. Awesome. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. So obviously that title alone invokes a lot of inquiry and excitement, insurance and nerds. So tell us, what do you guys do and what is insurance and nerds? You. (laughs) (laughs) So Nick's much better answering this question, but I've been doing it for a little longer, so so I'll start. Uh, Insurance Nerds is a blog, podcast, video podcast, online community, uh, TEDx style conference, speakers bureau, book publisher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all around around insurance. And it it is a multi-headed beast with a lot of a lot of things, and, and all of them are around insurance. We're very very passionate about insurance, uh, but but Nick can answer this much more succinct, succinctly than I than than I can. Yeah, no pressure. Um... I, I always, when people ask me what it is, what is insurance nerds, I always start off with uh, we're a global community, uh, truly insurance nerds. Like uh, I, I think one of the reasons, I was not one of the founders with Tony and Carly. I came in afterwards and um, after I think I wore them down wanting to uh, join them. I wanted to be something beyond just a blogger or a podcaster. I wanted a stake in this and i think the reason why will is that um as much as insurance has a really bad stereotype out in public if you've worked in the industry for even a little bit of time you realize the stereotype doesn't really fit i mean it happens occasionally but it doesn't really fit but i think more importantly what i liked uh was that i was working with people who are really smart doing really interesting stuff stuff that I had never heard about. Um, You know, all I have to tell you is that someone is insuring Jennifer Lopez's legs. How do they do that? (laughs) You know, like that is so cool and interesting. And between, you know, folks that do actuarial science or reinsurance or claims, um, engineering, loss control, there are people that are doing all all sorts of really cool things. And, Tony and Carly put a community together around that. That community has grown to tens of thousands of people globally. And what we do is we help each other out, whether that's in business transactions. Uh, Tony, you know, Tony reaching out on our Slack channel yesterday because he's going to Southeast Asia. Hey, how do I cover my stuff? Like that <laughs> stuff happens all the time. We're we're there to help and assist one another. So Tony was talking about before we got started here, how he's going on this amazing trip coming up and just what his struggle and and he alluded to the struggle is real on just how to cover personal electronics. So Tony, you want to just talk a little bit about that? And you are yeah. obviously in this industry so and even you. I'm, I'm, I'm a CPCU. I have nine other designations. I've worked for multiple insurance carriers. Uh, I... My, my girlfriend is a fellow CPCU. She works at a, at a top 10 global broker where she is a, uh, a director. She, I'm not licensed. She's been licensed for a long time. We know our stuff. She's much deeper in policy language than I am, of course. 
but we know our stuff. So, so basically, I'm going to Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. We know that, that, that those are places where petty theft is a problem, so we could get pickpocketed. You know, it could happen. And I am carrying with me an iPhone 11 Pro Max, a new camera I, I, I just got, about 600 bucks, uh, and, a, uh, and, and, my, and my Mac, right? And my, and my iPad. My iPad's like 1,500 bucks, and the, the Mac's another 1,500 bucks, right? So a significant amount of electronics that I'm carrying with me, and I just want to make sure that if something were to happen, that they are covered worldwide for replacement costs. And by the way, I have receipts for everything, right? So, so, so I can easily prove that, that, that I own them. Uh, and they probably are covered by my renters. So we log in this morning, and I won't name the carrier because they're actually a really good carrier, a very, very, very large carrier. Uh, we, we log into their website this morning to, to see if the stuff's covered. And we spent half an hour, the two of us, both insurance professionals, cannot find the forms, right? The only thing we can find is the declaration page. We cannot find wh uh, whether the, 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 the uh, personal items coverage is worldwide. Uh, we cannot find the sublimits. So we yeah. can't answer the basic questions of are we covered worldwide? Uh, do I need to schedule the stuff specifically or am I going to get hit by, by a sublimit that, 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 that I'm not expecting, right? And what would the deductible be? So I'm, I was even willing to just go the easy route and grab an app and just buy insurance for two weeks, and, and, and even though I'm probably double coverage, and I still can't figure out how to do that. <laughs> so yeah, the struggle is real. <laughs> oh gosh, that's, that is amazing. And it's fascinating when it comes up and you think about it and you're one day away from the trip and everything, yes. So obviously you guys have an amazing passion for what you do for this industry. How did you both even connect together? Can I tell you a story? Well, I'll, so, I'll start it. I'll, I'll start it and then you can pick up. Um, okay. I found an article online. So someone that I was connected to, uh, which is, you know, amazing where we've come in society, you know, um, Someone I knew shared an article on LinkedIn that Tony and Carly wrote, and I thought it was so well written. Um, it was fictional. It was about them having lunch with Warren Buffett and Warren Buffett jetting them to Omaha. And I was like, is this true? Wow, like this is great. I really need to get to know these people. I finished the article. And I'm like, this can't be true, but is it true? So I reached out. I connected. Uh, we ended up talking. Tony, take it from there. Okay, so so by the way, paragraph one explains. Oh, paragraph two explains that that it is a, a daydream. Uh, still hasn't happened. Uh, Uncle Warren, I'm still waiting for your call. Uh, okay, so 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 uh, so Nick reads that article. We connect. Th then uh, and, and I might have the order wrong here a, a little bit, but 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 then uh, he is uh, he writes three articles for us as a guest author. We've had hundreds of those. He was one of our first guest authors. Three, three articles on catastrophe modeling, which is uh, his, you know, his trade, where, where he came from. And uh, they bombed. Like, they're, they're really good, but they, they, they don't do well with the viewers, right? Uh, but anyway, we, we keep kind of a friendship. Then I was living in Northern California in Berkeley, and Nick was living in Southern California. And there was a, an, an insured tech conference in, uh, in uh, Silicon Valley or in, in San Francisco. No, I can't Francisco. remember. It's it the marina, yeah. I can't remember who what the conference was. I think it was Dave Diaz organization, or I don't, I don't know. But anyway, 
I, I I found out that Nick was coming, and I asked him, and he was flying into Oakland. So so I'm like, oh, perfect, right? I'll I'll drive from Berkeley to Oakland. It's on my way. I'll pick you up, and we'll drive to the conference. And of course, San Francisco traffic. We we got stuck for like two hours trying to get there. We got there super late. Hung out for the conference. Became friends basically. Uh, anyway, it was pretty cool. And then about a year later, uh, he contacted me and, and and he said, hey, you you guys should uh, are doing an amazing job. You should have a podcast. And mm-hmm. Carly and I said, yes, we agree. We have no idea how to do it. And he said, I don't either, but I'll learn. Mm-hmm. And he did, basically. So we brought him on. Uh, Carly and I had a short conversation on the phone where, 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 where I said, hey, you know what? If, uh, you know, we should make him a full partner. We should give him skin in the game. Like, we already had a significant amount of content. We should make him skin in the game because, you know what, right, right now, like, yeah, I own 50% of zero revenue. <laughs> so maybe maybe Nick brings in some maturity and and, and you know so, some some knowledge on how to grow, actually grow revenue, and uh, I rather own thirty three percent of you know a hundred bucks than zero than fifty percent of zero, right? Uh, so 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 Carly agreed. So we brought him on as a partner, and, and uh, he killed it with the podcast. He basically invented podcasting within the PNC space. Uh, Profiles now has one hundred and eighty episodes. And and, uh, and it's it's really sparked a revolution of podcasts within PNC insurance. There's a whole bunch of them that are really good. Some we own, some we don't. Uh, and uh, so yeah, that, that's that's how how and and uh, when Lemonade started, uh, I wrote a love letter to Lemonade. And uh, this might this have been is how it really started. Yeah, honestly. So so you wrote the timeline a love letter be, exactly. And I was like, oh Tony, come on, you so you drank the Kool Aid. I wrote a counter article so, so, that is now our largest read article so so I, I i at some point i think before he called us to say the podcast stuff uh i i wrote a love letter to lemonade as soon as they launched uh, as an article and nick left an angry like get off my lawn uh three paragraph re- like comments on my article right and so when i saw that like the options were i could approve it i, I could delete it and and I I I I leaned into the skit right, so I, I I approved it and I replied and I'm like you should turn this into an, into an actual article. That article, so the first three that he wrote were did not perform. That article year after year continues to be our most read article. Mine is forgotten by time. It's still on the site, but it's forgotten by time. Uh, so 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 that was that was a big part of it, yeah. Yeah. Good job, Nick. Look at you, man. Impressive. I was yeah, uh, that was the it. easiest article I have ever written. It just like from the from the mind right into the fingertips, it just came out because I was just like, listen, I I didn't I didn't really have a beef with them except for their marketing, but I was like, wait a second, I know how insurance works. Some of the stuff isn't going to work. Here's why. Yeah. Like I I can already tell you these are tech guys that are just don't really understand the business and they think they're going to come in and kind of Uberize. Mm-hmm. this thing but we are not the taxi business and i was just like it, 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 they really don't understand what they're competing against here so yeah. i had to make that clear and i you know it's still uh, a warm feeling when i get someone connects with me on linkedin and they said hey i read your lemonade article uh you nailed it like those those were ex- that was exactly what i was thinking um it's uh it's a it's a great feeling Awesome. By the way, my, my love letter, I, I want to defend myself for a second. My, my love letter wasn't completely incorrect. It praised the UI, which is beautiful. It praised 
the the uh, the 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 uh, the donation piece, which I like, and right maybe someday it'll actually work. And and number three, it praised the, the P2P aspect, which they you know got rid of. Uh, so so I wasn't completely wrong, but but Nick definitely uh, his uh, longer experience and the different ways that we see the world. Because I, I'm I'm an optimist, I'm a puppy, I love everybody. Uh, he's an underwriter. Uh, the, the, the different ways that we see the world uh, de definitely kind of like gave a, a yeah, good look at I, who Lemonade was at this at the beginning. You heard it here Will, first, Will. Um, he loves everyone, but I'm an underwriter. I didn't, I, we elaborate. What That's that? like, that must be the opposite of loving everybody. Means okay. It probably means uh, like a very, very discriminatory on who I love. So, 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 okay. So, so I am, a, a glass half full optimist by nature. My 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 like genetic happiness level is very high. I think I, I think everybody's awesome, and and I assume that until you prove me wrong. Uh, I I I purposely surround myself with people who see life the exact opposite way. Who I would call pessimists. They generally call themselves realists. Uh, <laughs> my girlfriend is a great example. Carly is a great example. My best friend Andrew Hollands, who's a claims guy, is a great example. And Nick's a great example. And and they they help me see the things that I don't see because I'm such an optimist, right? And, and then the, the underwriter joke. Uh, I'm actually a former underwriter myself. I I, I was a a small a small commercial farm underwriter for a year and a middle market underwriter for two years, and I did okay. I mean, I did it well at it. But my natural tendency, I'm more of a sales guy, right? Uh, I I'm more of oh, this sounds awesome, right? I get excited, and I need other people to to like Nick, like 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 my girlfriend, like Carly, like Andrew. <laughs> to reel me in and help me see reality exactly help me see my blind spots absolutely that's great that's awesome that you know that about yourself and you surround yourself with those people the the underwriter types so mm -hmm. that so how or not really how why did you start insurance nerds help help us understand what what was really the reason behind why and everything so i'll, I'll try to do it as quick as i can as you know i read less than half an hour for anything with tony is hard um i started at farm bureau it wasn't my first job. My, my first job was in transportation, which I hated. And then I started Farm Bureau of Iowa in a call center, and they did a really good job with me. A, a guy that just retired, that retired recently called Mike Shepard, uh, did a really good job in orientation, helping me fall in love with the industry, helping me teach me how Farm Bureau, how, why insurance is important and, and why it's a great career, how to grow within the industry, why Farm Bureau is different from Progressive and Geico. Uh, just a great job. Such a great job that within a year I got picked up by, by Nationwide. And then I got to Nationwide and I realized that at the bigger carriers or at pretty much every other carrier, things were not as rosy. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that we, that we train new employees is, is pretty bad at, at most carriers. Orientation is, is bad or non-existent. And, and uh, basically, I wanted to share the, 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 uh, the great advice and mentorship I got early on that was really working for me. I wanted to share it with, with, the, with the rest of those kids. Uh, in those call centers, especially uh, to help them grow and and to help them stay in the industry, that that's so it, it it started as part of the nationwide Gen Y Associate Research Group, and when okay. both Carly and I left uh, nationwide for other opportunities, uh, we decided to to do it as its own thing, and that's that's where it, so it was very much meant to help young professionals grow within the industry, instead instead of let them uh, in, 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 instead of them dropping out uh, before realizing what an awesome industry it is to work in. And then Nick brought in the, the insure tech stuff. And mm -hmm. now we do so many other things. And so Nick, why did you really want to join 
insurance nerds? Yeah, uh, well, I think a lot of it just had to do with I had a lot to say, and I was looking I was looking for a platform. Um, I had written for other platforms, and um, nothing against the other platforms. It just uh, it wasn't my voice. Um, I just felt like I had to be a little bit more corporate um, in those. And on in my on my insurance nerds article, I could just be my silly self. You know, I, and, and I think I had an avenue for that creative itch that I had, whether it was writing or podcasting, you know, uh, I wanted the, I wanted that platform where if I wanted to uh, do a five minute video, I could do a five minute video. Mm -hmm. If I want to do a 30 second tweet, I could do a 30 second tweet. If I want to do a 2000 word article, I could do that. Or with the help of Tony and Carly, if I wanted to publish a book, I could publish a book. And that was extremely important to me was to make sure that it was it was my voice and I felt comfortable and I didn't have to couch things. It was truly what I felt for better or for worse. And I, I think that Nick hit on exactly the, the, the secret sauce. And, and we if we had been trying to do it, we would not have been able to do it. Like we've only learned over time that that is the secret sauce because we were so small or we are so small. And we don't have a compliance, a legal, a marketing, a PR, et cetera, departments to tell us what not to do. We are deeply authentic. And, mm -hmm. and that, is, that is the key. That is what people have really enjoyed is that we tell it like it is. And, and usually from a positive perspective, but we're not afraid, afraid of, of calling the industry out on what we do wrong. And, and, and we always try to come with solutions when we do that. That's great. So you guys have experienced a lot of amazing growth, a lot of amazing things started with next to nothing and now multiple channels, multiple avenues. Where do you see the future? What are, what are you guys excited about with insurance nerds in the future? You want me to do it? You want me to do it? Sir, go go okay. ahead. <laughs> um, more of the same, except that bigger scale. Huh? Um, so take, for example, a book publishing. Um, we're never going to make a lot of money publishing books. Um, our job is to help the author make as much as possible, but there's a limit. You know, books just have a lot of, just a lot of those dynamics where you know a small proportion of the books are going to make all the money. Mm -hmm. um, and so, what we want to do is we use uh, as a platform for books. We want to be able to offer the publisher you know, the ability for us to secure them speaking arrangements or webinars. Like how, how can we continue to use this as a platform to allow people in the industry to spread their knowledge, their wisdom, their insight um, beyond just the, I don't know, uh, you know, square, square peg into square hole, you know, Hey, let me publish a book. Well, what if there's more, what if the book is just one rung on a ladder? right, where there are many more rungs so that someone like a Rob Galbraith or someone like a Bill Wilson can reach a bigger audience and have a bigger effect. And, and that's what we've learned with like, I think Rob is the classic example because, you know, Rob really has a vision and uh, something he really wants to get off, on his, off of his chest and writing a book is just not enough. For him and now he's like global traveler speaking and we want to help him leverage that and so for anyone that's listening to this like we would like to offer the same it's if you have a good idea for something 
we can help you with the initial stage, kind of get that started. It doesn't have to even be a book. It could be anything. It could be a podcast. It could be just getting you starting to, you know, write articles or whatever. Um, and we, we will, what I hope that we become is a global community where we have resources, where we can help you leverage that and give you a megaphone. You know, so rather than just like a simple article, a simple podcast, we're giving you a megaphone and you're, we can help you leverage um, and amplify the audience that, that uh, you're going to reach, you're going to inspire, motivate. Um, that's, that's where I hope we can go. And, and, you know, trickled into that will are the stuff that Tony talked about. It's although it's, you know, kind of trickle that down all the way to a, uh, the employee, the professional who is potentially never going to consider insurance yep. as a profession to get them to at least consider it, plant those seeds. And for those that have made the transition and to make sure that the companies in the ecosystem get out of their own corporate way and do the things that Tony's mentor did, right? Make sure that, you know, you have the correct culture within your organization so your employees are onboarded correctly. They understand the role of insurance. They're inspired by it. They want to continue learning. Um, and the company itself is providing a roadmap, um, a roadway, a path for them to re get their tentacles out and be able to, uh, you know, express their inner, you know, the, their inner passion for whatever it is. Because at the end of the day, I think insurance is just applied everything. So it doesn't matter if you're an artist, a writer, an engineer, a lawyer, a marketer, there's a role for you. And I think it's whatever, whatever it is that you studied, whatever it is you trained or learned, there's a way that you can apply that in a different arena and still get the same sort of satisfaction from that. That's, so you know. The, 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 the reason that, that, that I, I wanted Nick to, to answer that uh, first is, is because I, I, I worry less about what are we going to be in the future, and I worry more about preserving the, the secret sauce, right? So, so, so Nick and Carly are actively working on, 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 on kind of long-term strategy, strategy and, and, and figuring out growth and figuring out revenue and, and getting us to, to a place where, where, where maybe one of us actually works full-time for, 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 for it, or we're, not, we're an actual business, an actual continuing business kind of thing that can outlive us someday. Uh, I, 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 most of my thinking about insurance nerds is, is, is about preserving the secret sauce while we grow, basically, right? So, so in fact, I, I, now that I think about it, I should change my, my, my title from chief motivational officer to chief culture officer. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my, I, 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 I mean, I'm here to make sure that we remain an authentic place I'm, I'm here to make sure that we um, that, that that we give voice, that we give the megaphone to people, regardless of job title, regardless of, yeah. of whether the company's a sponsor. Uh, if you have something interesting to say within the insurance space, we want you to have that megaphone, basically. Yeah. So, so how that manifests, right? Whether that that right, I, I like to joke to joke that 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 my my new daily uh, video podcast uh, or my new daily video blog, ten minutes every morning on on LinkedIn. Uh, that I'm gonna do that every weekday until 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 I retire. So there's about 6,600 6, <laughs> episodes coming. Because I'm only 37, 36, gonna be 37 next month. Uh, and I like to joke that that someday it'll probably be a, a my, my daily hologram rather than video, right? 
so yeah, I don't know what form it'll take. I, I just I just know the feeling that I want people to get from it, and I, I know I know the effect I want it to have on the industry, basically. And that's incredibly important. So, what what Tony has instilled in Carly and myself is, um, it's not just a business. We can't think of it as a business because once you start thinking of it only as a business, it starts to chip away at the foundations of who you are and what you are. So we have already committed to making sure that we have, um, as we grow and as we become that continuing business, that there will be a, a central focus on uh, community culture, community growth, community support. So Tony has made sure that we recognize that um, the base level platform of what we offer will always be free. Yeah. We'll always have that community and we'll always nurture that community. So this isn't something where we'll start offering premium services and other insure tech related stuff. Yeah, we're going to offer those, but it's still everything needs to reinforce the threads of the community. And as long as I, I think as long as we maintain um, that principle, right, I think we're going to we're going to be great. And. As Tony said, you know, I, I think Carly and I feel the same way. Uh, yeah, we want to make this a continual business <laughs> simply because we want the resources to be able to deliver a bigger and bigger megaphone to yeah. folks, right? But we are not in this for the money, right? The money just helps us make the community stronger. It, it reinforces itself. That is the goal here. Um, yeah, we're not, we're, you know, we're not a nonprofit. We're not, we don't want to be a nonprofit, but I think we want to maintain elements of that because I think our long-term strategy would be more beneficial um, for us if we if we maintain that kind of, those principles of community first. What what an amazing time we live in! It blows me away. Uh, as we think about it, 20 years ago, we like we've been doing this thing for six years with very little thought to revenue. And and for the last, I don't know, since, since, since the book came out, the first book, two and a half, uh, almost two and a half years ago, uh, we, we've actually ran out a little bit of a profit, just not enough for, for right? It ran, it runs itself. It, sure. it brings enough revenue that, that it's no longer a, a, a tax break for me at the end of the year, basically. Uh, <laughs> but what we've been able to, to, to build this thing uh, as a passion project without worrying about revenue which would have been impossible 20 or 30 years ago. Like if you, if you had to go revenue model first or it, it simply, there was no way to do it, right? It was so expensive to do something that was meaningful that there was no way to do it without the revenue model up front, right? Absolutely. It, and Will, Will, I think to get back to the community, exactly what Tony described, uh, we feel as though it's our mission. We've, we've done it. We feel, it's, uh, we feel it's our mission to help others pull them up as well. So for those that are stuck on the wrong path, for those that don't have the voice, it's we can potentially generate a side hustle yeah. or something for you that, you know, maybe scratches that creative itch. Maybe you don't want to leave your actuarial job, but you have something to get off of your chest and you can make a little bit of money off of it on the side. And maybe, you know, in a, in a riskless way, almost in a fairly riskless way to uh, you know, we have a lot of folks in our community that have expressed the desire to get um, on a speaking tour, mm -hmm. to become part part of that. And we're looking to like solidify that. How can we help you uh, become someone like Tony who, you know, uh, does a lot of speaking, gets paid for it, 
How yep. can you do that in your corporate environment in particular ways where you can do that? So it's, it's uh, having, turning this into a continuous business helps us help other people. Absolutely. That's awesome, guys. So you mentioned, Tony, six years doing this. I assume that not every decision has been amazingly successful, and I'm sure you've learned a lot. So what, what kind of things were maybe not as successful as you thought, or what are some of the real lessons that you've learned throughout this? I, I was sitting in, in, a, um, in, a, in a hotel room in Reno, and Carly <laughs> was asleep. I, this was very early on. So at this point, no article went live, and all we had was articles, and no article w- went live until Carly edited it. Uh, so anyway, so, so I, I, I'm driving around, uh, I drove from Sacramento to, to Reno to visit some, some clients uh, for American Modern. And, and on the way there, I saw a big billboard with a meme. Uh, and, and I'm like, oh my God, we should make insurance memes, right? So I, I, uh, so I sit in my, in my hotel in, 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 in Reno and I make like 60 insurance memes one after the other, right? Uh, and I, and I, I published this article, uh, and I even put a disclaimer. Carly was safely asleep back in the East Coast when I was writing this in, in, in Pacific time. And that's all. So, so you're right. She takes no responsibility for my craziness. So anyway, so that's our first article to go viral. And okay. it goes viral in exactly the wrong way, basically. Like, like, like it, 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 the way it goes viral is a whole bunch of people just mocking us and a whole mm-hmm. bunch of, of, of people basically saying, like, like, Right, the insurance industry uh, shills uh, or you know guns for hire that, that are getting it completely wrong. Right, this is obviously insurance marketing people who just have no idea how memes work. Uh, <laughs> so so anyway, completely just like like it was awful. And and I, I had a, a moment there where I'm like, okay, do I delete it? Yeah. Do I right? And I didn't. I, I just I just I didn't I, di- I didn't reply to any of the of the of the negative replies. And so I didn't delete it, but. The article's still there, but I never share it, right? Okay. So, so it's been really been forgotten by time, uh, and, and, and it's never included in any of our, of, of our newsletters or anything. It's just, it's just kind of there as, as an as an as an archive, uh, an artifact of the past. So, so the biggest thing I, I, I learned there is, is that not everything works, right? And you, it's it's unpredictable what's going to work. Uh, a lot of the articles that have been super successful were the ones that we had no clue, right? So, so Carly very early on wrote an article, uh, I think it was called uh, Eight Necessities for Young Professionals. Mm-hmm. And it talked about things like have a Kindle, have a, a durable water bottle, like very, very simple things. Super popular. Like it gets mentioned in conferences years later. We just never know which ones are going to be successful. So basically just go with it. Like, like do it from the heart. Go with it. If, if, if it doesn't succeed, it doesn't succeed, and that's fine. Uh, it, it might find an audience later, right? There, there's shows on TV that, that were not successful on TV that are super successful on Netflix. Yep. It might find an audience later. Just uh, biggest thing is shift is better than perfect. And, and that was a thing for Carly to learn, not for me, because I've always known that shift is better than perfect. But basically, <laughs> learn by doing. Le- learn by doing. Skid into your mistakes. That's, and and, and that's, that's how you keep growing. Uh, what else did I learn? I also learned that getting Carly and I at, at the same time is very, very difficult. And uh, the podcast started as the three of us chatting every Sunday. And within a few weeks, it became Nick interviewing people because we could never arrange time together. And I, I also learned about myself that 
I should not sign up for anything that requires a commitment to doing it every X, right? Yeah. So, so uh, at one point, the, the podcast forked, and I, I, I took my own and, and uh, basically never produced an episode, right? Uh, so, yeah, I learned a lot about, my, about myself, uh, basically. Mick, how about you? I don't have the same scars that Tony has. Um, not that we haven't made mistakes and not that we haven't learned lessons. Um, I guess one of the, I have plenty of scars in my other business. Yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with, well, what's at stake? Yeah. You know, um, we are, we are non-paid. Uh, we're just, we're just figuring out our different revenue models. So, um, screwing up really wasn't that big a deal because, um, it just brought us back to, well, we weren't making any money anyways, so we're still not making any money. Um, so we've done a lot of things. Like we test a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, I test a lot of things. I'm constantly uh, tinkering with uh, different things because I think we can get away with it now. So, um, you know, we're uh, one thing that we're testing now is affiliate programs. So as a global community, how can we be that um I don't know, repository of information where, uh, you know, if you have 15 different options for transcription service, yeah. you know, or, or media publicity, yeah. let us, let us whittle that down to one and here's our recommendation and, you know, we'll get paid for it. We still haven't figured it out. So sometimes our, sometimes our website's messy, you know, sure. sometimes we're kind of, we're throwing banner ads or something on there to kind of test something out and see if it actually works. Yep. Um, and I would say most of the time, most things don't work. And funnily, you know, I think it's funny that Tony mentioned this. Oftentimes things work and we didn't like things take off. It's like, wow, where'd that come from? So <laughs> never know. I think, I think there's a lesson for a lot of businesses. I think, you know, having been in business for 20 plus years, I think there's a unusual amount of effort on planning and, you know, kind of sticking to the plan and not having that flexibility. And, um, you know, you, you and I talked on the podcast, I interviewed you, which, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get out this week. Um, you know, we talked about Bill Belichick and Nick Saban and things like that. And it's like, you can't be that rigid. Things yeah. change. Yep. People get, you know, Alabama quarterback gets injured. You, you have to, you have to change the game plan. Sorry. Like, We'll do some things different to maximize the opportunity. And I think that's the biggest lesson that I learned. I don't have the same scars that Tony has because I didn't get, I haven't been yelled at by Carly uh, <laughs> yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll happen once, once there is something at stake. <laughs> the, the planning process is important, but no plan survives contact with the enemy. Yes. Right. And, and, and it's just, that's something that I've always kind of understood. Uh, but but that's just because of my personality type, right? Right. There are people that that are more detail oriented. That 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 is a very hard lesson to learn. The, the planning process is important, but but you like, like the plan changes the moment it goes live. Uh, as we learn, uh, as we get feedback, and uh, what Nick mentioned something else that that, that I thought was, was very interesting. Oh, uh, people nowadays, it's really weird to me because it used to be I would go to conferences with insurance charge cards and hand them out and, and be like, hey, I run this crazy thing called insurance charge, check it out. Nowadays, more and more people either already know about it or they recognize me and they come to me. And uh, 
uh, that started happening when the podcast started. It's when people when, when we had that kind of first flip where people would come to me and be like, "Hey, I love what you guys are doing." So good job, Nick. Uh, so so the funny thing nowadays is, is a lot of people don't realize how small we are, right? P- people think that we are this bigger. We, we get hit for, "Hey, would you sponsor this conference?" <laughs> right? And, and we're like, we are nowhere near that, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you, if, if you give us a free ticket, we might be able to cover it, right? But yeah, we're we're nowhere like like our entire yearly budget would not cover like a little ad on on your on your program, right? Uh, that's that's how small we are. And so the website, for example, the, the website is truly it, it's built with duct tapes and dreams mm-hmm. by a, a non-pro with with a little bit of IT knowledge, but who has never worked in that space. I'm not a web developer, uh, so so. Figuring out the revenue model to the point where where it where where it allows us to get a professional redesign on the website, right? Because one of the big problems is it has so much stuff on it, yeah. And not and there's no good way to navigate unless you know what you're looking for and you don't, right? So so yeah, there, there's there's a lot of things that 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 finally figuring out a, a, the proper revenue model. We create a lot of value, right? Yep. And and I can't tell you how often people appear on the podcast and then two weeks later they're like. They're emailing us and they're like, we found clients, we have, we found partners, we we found new ideas, yeah. we we found employees, time. we ha- we have funding, right? And we're not capturing any any of that, right? So what we're trying to figure out basically is is how do we continue giving the the everything everything we we we, we do while while at the same time capturing enough value while we do it so that so that we can grow this and and do things like a professional website redesign, right? Uh, so, so, so they were in a very interesting point in in our in in our uh, in our journey right now. So I know we got to wrap up here shortly, but there's one question that I wanted to ask, especially of Nick. So I know you guys have covered all you know a lot of insure techs, um, everything that's going on with technology. You're, you guys are huge in that space. I would really love to know from both of you guys what is the one or two insure techs that you are most impressed with, and why is that? Yeah, I have strong. I have strong opinions. Um, okay. Nick, could 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 I could I answer first because I, yeah. I know you're much more deep in this, and, and if if you answer first, I won't have anything to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 in my opinion, I, I go Abel Travis. The the, uh, the word insure tech is very telling. Insures half the word tech is the other. It, my guiding principle is insure techs that have both sides well represented, both among the founders and in the way they run the company. In my opinion, today. That looking from the outside, that is Bolt Penguin, that is Hippo, that is Root. Uh, I would say those are my three favorites, and there's a few others, but but always that same thing. The the insurance people are properly represented, and and they're they're 50% of 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 the effort. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, right. Uh, my answer is uh, what how Tony described it, but I'm also I I think of it as like uh, if I were a VC. How would I how would I analyze these to invest in? Um, you know, I, I'm really interested in um, untapped, underserved areas where there's not a lot of competition. I like I'm a blue ocean guy. You know, it's uh, I just prefer not to have a fist fight and go to areas where I can help these people and not have to you know worry about 50, you know a fifty dollar fee making or breaking uh, the deal. So uh, the one I really, really like is uh, Ben Akiva um, out of Des Moines. So Brent Williams and Bobby Shirastaff, 
um, the life insurance space claims, but if you sit down and you talk to them like that, first of all, it's boring, right? It's boring as, as paint, right? So um, you're not gonna get a lot of competition. Most folks don't even know that there is a problem there. Brent happened to be in the space. Brent was solving a problem for himself, but Brent is such a good salesperson that as he was putting the pieces together to that solution, he recognized that the solution had uh, uh, longer legs. Mm -hmm. um, it had a, a bigger stretch that it could reach out towards. And he turned, he turned a solution that would have been an expense for most of, uh, of most of the companies he was dealing with, and he turned it into a revenue stream. And it's uh, classic, he was playing chess versus other people playing checkers. They would have stopped at that first solution, and he was able to create a value proposition that went well beyond that. Uh, couple that with a team, with Bobby and the team that they've developed. It's, uh, if I were a VC, um, I, there was a point we were having um, dinner at Zombie Burger in Des Moines, Iowa. And as the story came together, and I've known them for a little bit, but as the story came together, I would have written them a check right then and there because they had all of the critical pieces in place. Um, the team was fantastic. Um, it, the, the, it, it, to me, it was the inevitability. It's inevitable. They will be extremely successful. Um, and so that's, that works. That's why. Uh, so, so I, I agree with that. And the reason I didn't mention Medikiva is because I don't speak life. I'm a PNC guy. I, I, I know very little about life. So I, re I really don't understand that side. I know, uh, I know very little about life. That's, that's another reason why, like I bought into it was because, okay. um, it wasn't that they were so convincing. It was the the um, the intimacy with which they were solving this problem. It just it seemed it seemed inevitable that not only they were going to solve it, they were going to they mm. could set they could create an industry standard for how claims gets processed on the life side. And then I just sort of like okay, well if they do that for life, they weren't even thinking mm. PNC, but there was a natural. There was a natural, uh, you know, uh, transport over to the PNC side. It's just inevitable to me that they will be extremely successful. Th that is that is very fair. Uh, so where, where Nick and I differ is, in this particular side is is Nick likes likes to think like like a VC. I I don't care about that, right? So 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 so, and I'll tell you, how, where I I care about about your long term impact to the insurance industry, both to the industry, to the people that work in it and to the consumers uh, that we serve. And what, 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 why, why that's different. So for example, Lemonade, I think those guys are, 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 gonna, are gonna exit as billionaires, but I don't know if they will have a long-term effect in the industry, right? Uh, on, uh, so so I, my, my heart is with the, with the insured techs that I believe are going to have long-term effects in the industry, whether or not uh, they make uh, the founders or, or VC and the investors or whoever, whether, whether or not they make any millionaires, I, I, I don't care what I, what I care about is, is the effect they'll have on the, on the industry. So I, I like to see it, to look at it from the perspective of, of how is insurance going to be a better ecosystem if they succeed rather than is this going to make a ton of money for, for, for somebody. Yeah. And just, just to clarify, I feel the same way. That's part of my VC calculus is the long-term effect um, it, it's, you know, th does it have legs? Yes. But when I'm, when I'm calculating, does it 
have legs. It's, well, does the consumer like it? Like, is it actually like the right solution? That's extremely important to me. Uh, my, my role model framework for how a business should be run is Southwest Airlines. So I kind of, that's the lens I use on almost everything. It's like, are you treating your employees well? Are you treating your customers well? Uh, those are the types of companies I would just prefer to invest in. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, guys, before we wrap up, is there anything you would like to say or, or leave a final thought? Tony's never without thoughts. <laughs> Why don't you finish this uh. up? <laughs> I, I guess I, I, I didn't ask up front who your audience is, uh, but, but uh, uh, are you broker heavy or are you carrier heavy? More broker heavy, for sure. Okay, perfect. So, so I'm more of a, of a carrier person. So anything I say on the broker side, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, the final thought that I would, I would leave with for, for, for the broker side it is, and we really haven't touched on it at all, but you have, uh, you're, you're in a really hard world in a really difficult world and and your world has changed a lot it's only going to change more and there's a lot of small brokerages out there uh survival is going to be hard for for small brokerages and i i think that that culture and technology are going to be crucial if uh if if you don't give your people the the, the best technology to be able to compete and if uh if you don't have the right culture internally to 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 attract and retain the younger crowd which is what my book is, is about. Uh, I, I and, and if you don't figure out how to properly grow and reward your service people, not just your producers, I don't think there's a path, there's a long term term path, path uh, for for survival. So I, I will leave you with, with that thought. And and yeah, check out check out insurancenerdsinusnerds.com. Check out our podcast. Check out our books. Uh, join the the online Slack channel. Uh, we are here to help you through this transition. Yeah, I I'm going to second that. Uh, we are making, if you're a small broker or small agent, watch, pay attention to insurance nerds at insnerds.com because uh, it is on our roadmap. This is a uh, something we see as an underserved area. Um, how can we help small agents and small brokers not just survive, but thrive? Uh, we're, there's enough tech out there to help you compete. We are now filtering through that tech. We are now, um, we will be able to put you in front of situations that make you appear and make you act and make you effective as a large broker or a large agent. So uh, stay it's, tuned. The, it, like I, I've never been an agent, but but I've worked with many agents and, I, and I, in many different ways. And I can only imagine being an agency owner today and maybe like a second generation agency owner and the world is quickly changing around you and you're like, okay, I get it. I'm gonna have to reinvest significantly in this agency for it to be an ongoing concern. Okay, I'll take half my usual cut at the end of the year and we'll reinvest the rest. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. What, what, do I re what, what do I invest it in? And there's 1500 different options. It, it's incredibly overwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I think that, that there's currently no great guide in that world. Yep. And we can, we can probably play a part, a part in, in helping there. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate it. Thanks for, well, for having appreciate us. Appreciate it as well. That's it for this episode of Nat Alliance Now. Thank you to Tony and Nick for this rich discussion. You can learn more about our guests and the content they create by visiting insnerds.com or by searching for Tony Canis or Nick Lamparelli on LinkedIn. 
Tune in next time for more risk and insurance industry insights from Nat Alliance Now.